Are you feeling like no one understands your struggles? That you're isolated and alone? Like no one has your back to support, encourage, or celebrate your wins with you? Well, let me personally invite you to join me in the Living Fearless Today Facebook group. Hey, we recently launched the group and are open to other men just like you who want to know their worth, value, and purpose to grow in confidence, find their worth, and appreciate their contributions. So if you simply search Living Fearless Today on Facebook and uh, then just click to join us, I look forward to meeting you, seeing your growth, and the success you begin to experience in your life within this band of men. This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forster, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Welcome back. Uh, today, I have Andrew Biggs with me. Andrew is just transformational in the stuff that he has done, where he has gone, how he has moved around. The man just oozes courage. So he has been instrumental in my life in helping to challenge me to, to push you know, beyond my, my boundaries of comfort. And so I wanted to introduce you to Andrew and super happy to have him here. Andrew, welcome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate the uh, the glowing introduction there. Courage is one of my top values. And I feel like in some ways, it's a foundational value that if we don't have courage, we're, we're not really going to be able to do a lot of the other things that we want. So I appreciate that you see that reflection in me. And uh, I also see the courage that uh, I've witnessed in you over the last few years. So I'm excited to dig into it today. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you have just made leaps that it's like, I think would have other people just like stop in their tracks and go, yeah, I'm not ready to take that, that, that move. So if you would let's start off, just have you, you know, kind of describe where you're at both personally and business wise, what, what things look like today for you. Yeah. So basically what I do is I'm a, I'm a coach and I also run a community. We're called better than rich and, you know, better than rich is basically for entrepreneurs, you know, six and seven figure earners, people in business and sales who want to be fulfilled, not just, you know, make a lot of money. I work with a lot of people who have been successful in the business world and have been successful in sales or entrepreneurship, but they aren't really have that, they don't have that deep, meaningful life that they really desire, whether that's like deep, meaningful connections or relationships or it's personal growth or, uh, Maybe it's making an impact uh, in the way they want. To be honest, you know, some of my own personal struggles is where it's kind of built out of. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. But just the concept of not knowing who you are, not knowing where you fit in this world. Maybe you can be really successful still in business, but still feel like a fraud and feel like a con. And you know, I, I'm sure that you know a lot of people listening can feel that. And basically, what I do is I kind of help them on that journey to deep, meaningful connections, purpose, meaning in their lives, vision. Of course, developing their skills, and then the last, the last pillar uh, is also deepening their wisdom and their discernment. So we would kind of work with these sorts of things, and and just ask really interesting questions and try to come up with the right answers. And and at least some of the times we come up with the right answers, <laughs> I would say. So that's that's the goal. Awesome. 
And on the the personal or family side, what do things look like for you? Sure. So uh, we have a six-year-old. His name's Elijah. He's he's amazing. We live here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You know, I've been all around the world, but this is where we've decided to plant roots. You know, we obviously a lot of people didn't necessarily, you know, come out of 2020 thriving. You know, we we kind of got lucky and kind of had the opposite. We had our best year ever. And and so we continue to grow in that side. So that's always exciting as well, just to watch, you know, the the better than rich movement begin to take off a little bit. Um, still, still, still in the beginning phases in many ways, but we're, we're proud of it and we're excited about it. That's awesome. And I think you've, even before Better Than Rich really was birthed, you still were living the like mentoring, like uh, lifestyle, right? You were helping men grow. Like you've talked about what, what Better Than Rich does. You were already doing that, right? Yeah. So I've been coaching now for, I want to say four years or, or so. I've done some 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 retreats and those sorts of things. I did join a coaching company before I branched out and kind of re- began this personal branding journey and created our own community. But but just, yeah, helping men in particular, but I work with both men and women. But I think that the, <clears throat> the what I, I kind of see business as the playing ground for all of that anyway. I actually started in the Cutco world way back in the day. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with Cutco, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, some of your nice. listeners probably are as well. A lot of, you know, kind of high flyer, you know, sort of individuals in the personal growth space have come out of that, that world. And, you know, cause it's a great proving ground and a great breeding ground for personal growth. It tests your skills and your adversity, your capacity to respond to, to challenge and also to rise to the occasion and have a big vision, have a big goal and achieve it. So I kind of started there and that's where I got the bug and got kind of bit by the personal development bug. And I really just saw my role there is to help others succeed. And so the more people I could help succeed in that position, the more I could you know, you know, succeed myself. Now, what was interesting was around 2011, 2012, I started to get more interested in deeper concepts like philosophy and spirituality. Uh, and that kind of drove me all the way to the other side of the world, to India, where I uh, was part of a team. On day one, they gave me about 200 people to manage and said, hey, you're in charge. Try to try to make this happen. I was 24 years old. I didn't really know much of what, what I was doing, but we were able to build that company up from 6 million to 30 million. We worked with some of the top brands in the mobile gaming space, like Clash of Clans um, and those sorts of brands, which was really fun. You know, get to play in the mobile gaming space and go to see their, their headquarters in Helsinki and all sorts of fun stuff. But really, that was also a journey for me to you know, go on this self-discovery journey. And even then... You know, towards the end, I had about 1,500 employees that I was managing. So just the complexity of that was really fun to be able to learn how to do that, but also to impact that many lives. And then towards the end of that chapter, that's where I met my wife. My son was born in India. We moved back to the States in 2015. And I really loved that company. And I, and I still am in touch with, with some of their leadership. But just the recognition that I wanted to do something more directly in the personal growth space. And that's really when around 2015, 2016, I kind of transitioned out and began this more, this more aggressive path towards individualized leadership and really trying to make a a deep impact with people's lives, not just a wide ranging impact. Dude, that was, (laughs) that was a lot in a short amount (laughs) of time that you've done. So did you, like when you started at Cutco, was that like an intentional thing? Did you go, Hey, I want to go to Cutco for this stuff. Or you just kind of landed there and it came into being. Yeah, it just kind of landed there. Honestly, you know, it's just kind of a, a an interesting story. They they advertised to a lot of college kids, and I got a letter in the mail, and it said fifteen dollars, you know, base. I think that it's up up now, even from that. But if that in two thousand six, I was like fifteen dollars. There's no way I'm going to get paid more than fifteen dollars anywhere else. 
So, you know, I responded and, and showed up and the rest is history. I mean, I was a music major in college, so I wasn't really into business and these sorts of things. I still play that as a piano performance major. So I still play the piano pretty much every single day, but it's more of a hobby than, yeah. uh, than I use it as a career. You know, to, to make it out a career, you got to be really, really into it. So it's pretty fun. You know, I could play at cocktail parties and stuff like that, but that's not exactly where they, the direction I chose to go. And so when you joined with Cutco, like what did Andrew look like at that time? And what, what hurdles did you have to overcome to, you know, be successful there? Yeah. I mean, I think that was what's really nice about when I was, when I was with Cutco to give you guys some idea of what Cutco is, it's high quality kitchen cutlery and it's direct sales. So they train you on how to, you know, how to present the product, how to, you know, present yourself, how to actually close the deal. And it's not high pressure sales by any means, but it's just something where, you know, it's your first sales job. You got to present yourself. You got to kind of put yourself out there. And I think, you know, there's a lot of challenges that come along with that. You know, what, what's interesting to me, and, you know, I think some of Alison Armstrong's work on this is really interesting that she calls it the life cycle of a man. And if you're not familiar with this, you know, uh, you guys should all check it out if you're listening, because it, it really is impactful work. Um, but Alison Armstrong, she talks about the life cycle of a man. There's kind of this, the boy, and then she kind of used this mid- medieval analogy where it's like, there's the page and then there's the knight and then there's the prince and eventually the king. And then, you know, when you're kind of in that age range of like, you know, 18 to 25, which where I, was where I was, it's kind of the night phase. And the night phase is really about like a, accomplishment and achievement and, you know, looking good in front of your friends. And of course, you know, competition, you know, whether that's in sports or it's in academics or it's in business or it's with women or something like that. It's all about competition and like, how do I stack up? How do I rank? you know, we're really concerned about our status. And so, you know, it was a formative time for me to, to kind of flex those muscles, you know, but ultimately it's kind of a selfish mode. And so, you know, I, I think what I learned from that time was that, okay, I have some capacity. I'm able to, I can have some confidence that if I put my mind to something, I can be successful. And, you know, I was able to push my comfort zone every single day there were period, I was the number five representative in the country out of about 40,000 represent, representatives that did it. And then, you know, I, I ran a, a college office and I was the number one office for the college department or the college division. We beat the competition by like 67%. Uh, it was pretty fun to just like, you know, kind of be that like warrior type and like slay the dragon. And also it was around that end of that chapter where I started asking deeper questions that I was realizing, oh, being at the top of the leaderboard actually isn't as fulfilling as I thought. Oh, I thought that this would, you know, be my ultimate success. And all of a sudden I'd be super happy because I have some money now and I, you know, and I have some status. So I should, I should be happy. Right. But invariably what I've found and what I've seen in my clients is that people get to the top of that leaderboard. They are climbing that corporate ladder or whatever it is that they're chasing and you know, it kind of leaves them unsatisfied at the end. And so, that was really where I started to ask those deeper questions, if, if that makes any sense. Uh, it totally makes sense. I mean, I think that's a pretty common thing is it's like you see the prize that you want, the goal you want to attain. And then when mm-hmm. you attain it, you know, it's kind of like, okay, now what? And so depending upon what you're chasing, you know, like you talked about, you're chasing that, that position, that, that status, it's like, it just doesn't have the same fulfillment as being significant, making the impact, like the stuff, you know, you're, you're talking about that, you know, you've made those transitions for. So can you talk a little bit more about the time when, when you were discovering 
hey, this is not giving me the fulfillment I'm looking for. Like, how are you feeling and what were some of the, the conversations or you know, thoughts you were having around that time? Yeah, you know, I think it's a little shattering to a lot of people's identities when they are chasing after something that they feel will be the ultimate version or the ultimate success. And then they get there and it's underwhelming. And that can be, you know, a job, a promotion, a new house. It could be, you know, a, a serious relationship. Maybe you get married. You know, a lot of times there's this fairy tale, you know, around romance or something like that. And, and so we kind of go after this go after this this achievement and then it kind of you know is underwhelming that shatters our identity it's like okay who am i and what's going on in this world because my calculations were off you know the the star that i was aiming at wasn't the north star right i was like i'm a little off in my calibration in terms of where i should actually be orienting myself and so it just forces you to kind of ask a lot of these deeper questions and so you know that that chapter for me was like actually really dark and painful and and full of a lot of you know pondering and questioning and reflection and, uh, you know, questions like, who am I? And why am I here? And why are we here? And how did we get here? And like these sorts of, you know, questions that people have been asking for, for millennia, sometimes successfully answering them and sometimes not, but just actually asking the deeper questions and not settling for this shallow existence, even if it's sometimes painful to reflect and ask yourself, yeah, like, does life have a purpose? Like, does this have any meaning? Or am I just supposed to go through this and, you know, do my best to stay distracted enough so I don't have to feel too too painful until I'm on my deathbed? And I think that too many people aren't willing to ask those questions. So yeah, I mean, you know, I think to the courage point, I, le- I leaned into those questions a little bit more, even though they were scary. And it's something that I encourage my, my f- people to do. Uh, and obviously, you know, you as a listener, I want to encourage you to do that today. It's obviously part of the reason I'm here is to help you kind of ask those deeper questions. But what comes up for you when I when I kind of talk through that, Mike? So there's been numerous times where it's like just asking those questions, but not having the courage to move forward, where it stopped me in my tracks. And it's not in, it's not been for me until I was willing to move through the pain for for what I wanted. You know what I'm saying? It's like the the draw of leaving behind comfort or a certain known position at work or something along those lines and going, you know what, I'm gonna leave this and go over here. Like when I left corporate, you know, being a corporate employee and went to owning my own IT consulting company. I didn't know what I was stepping into. I did research, but it was still one of those of, okay, that's a lot of risk. (laughs) And at that point, I was still working through the fact of, you know, don't take a risk unless you know there's success guaranteed on the other side. Success isn't always guaranteed. I mean, I could stay there and have Mm -hmm. floundered, but, you know, it's been one of those of just making a decision to move despite the pain more so than I think how you're talking that, you know, like you have, you have in like inherent courage built in. So I think the way we come at things is a little different, but we both see the value in moving forward. And Mm. so, yeah, I'm, that's what I've experienced from all that. Sure. Sure. And I think like the question that, you know, if you're sitting here listening and asking yourself, you know, okay, maybe there's something in your life that, 
you feel like uh, you're drawn towards. You know, maybe you should, maybe you feel like you should quit your job and start a new company. Maybe you feel like you should move. Maybe you feel like you're being inspired to start a, a brand or a podcast or, or get a message out there. Maybe you feel like, you know, I, I just, just have a, I have a coaching client who, you know, has been living with his girlfriend for eight, nine years. And I'm just like, bro, what are you, what are you waiting for, man? Like what's going on? And, and he's like, ah, oh, just, you know, I don't know. You know, don't know about this whole thing. Should I pop the question or not? And it's like, well, there's risk in life, whether you make a decision or you don't. And so really it's about calculating. You talked about risk versus like a guaranteed return. And it's like, well, there's really no guarantee either way. And that recognition is super important that, you know, there's a risk in acting and there's a risk in not acting. And you need to decide, you know, what the right call is. I'm not saying be reckless, but can you make calculated risks and, you know, I've, I've always found, and I've heard it said that people who do make calculated risks in life turn out to be really successful. You know, even if every once in a while you miss, you miss fire, which I've certainly <laughs> done too. But, but yeah, I think that, you know, weighing those risks and, and understanding that there's a risk in staying, playing it safe too, you know, yes, ships are safe at Harbor, but that's not why ships are made. Living small, like playing it safe has its own mm. pain because then you look back and, you know, regret is the thing that you can't ever get back because you can't always go back to that opportunity mm. that you had, you know? So it's like, you can look back and like you said, you know, you've had misfirings. All of us have had misfirings, but it's being able to look back mm. and go, Hey, I tried. And I now know from that experience, you know, these different things. And as you become more knowledgeable, it's like, you're almost like shoring up you know, on the next action you take, it's, it gives us a more depth of knowledge to succeed as we move forward. So it's like, I've grown in my risk tolerance, you know, as far as just being like, Hey, we're going to give it a shot. If I have to backtrack, I have to backtrack if, you know, something goes wrong and what's the probability of, of things, you know, going wrong. So it's like, I've had to unlearn what my parents taught me as far as, you know, don't take a risk. And I pass that along to my children and seeing them now, you know, as I've changed, they're now changing. So yeah, mm. it's like, just take a risk, you know, bet on yourself. You're your best investment. Right. Right. You know, there's, there's one thing that kind of triggered something for me when you're, you're speaking, which is why do we play it small? You know, one of the benefits of playing it small is you can always kind of say, well, I could always do that if I wanted to, or, you know, it, yeah, if I had really tried, I, you know, I would have been successful too. And so you always have the benefit of, of telling yourself that story that, yeah, you know, yeah, I may not be exactly where I want, but that's just because, you know, I haven't put any effort. I'm sure that if I did, I would be, you know, where I want. And so there's, there's an inherent sort of, uh, you never have to ask yourself, am I good enough? Because you are just staying right where you're, right where you're at. You're never put to the test. So, you know, again, if you're, if you're listening and, and that, that resonates, you got to really ask yourself, you know, how do I know? And, and am I willing to put myself out there as you say, Mike, and, and, and actually see if I'm capable of the, the greatness I, I aspire to, but yeah. but yeah. So let's from, from Cutco, you said you were in a dark place, you worked through that and then you went to managing at the video games, right? In India, you went to India, correct? From there. Mm, correct. 
Yeah. Well, there was a lot of like escapism, you know, in that, you know, in that pain and, you know, just kind of feeling empty, kind of numbing out and, and whether that's, which again, I think is one of the biggest problems out there in the modern culture, because there's so many ways to escape, you know, our pain. I mean, one of the, one of the best ways is right here, you know, and, you know, if I, if, if you're ever just feeling a little uncomfortable, if you're ever just like, you know, feeling depression or anxiety or fear or whatever, and you don't want to feel it, you can just, you know, open up your phone and distract yourself. And so, you know, distraction, you know, whether it's substances, drugs and alcohol, or, you know, a lot of guys these days struggle with porn or, or different things like that, different forms of escape. And there was a lot of that during, during those years, you know, of, of just, well, just like, I don't, I don't know, this life is, uh, it's too painful for me. It's too, you know, it's just, it just isn't giving me all that I want. And so rather than like work on myself, I'm just going to kind of escape. So, you know, I, I was kind of simultaneously trying to ask these deep questions, but also bumping up against my own limitations. And, you know, that's, that was that transition to India. You know, we, we had a lot of fun. We grew the company too in, in those years. But those first few years there was really just kind of me kind of being a little nihilistic and just, you know, not really caring about much. And I don't know if, if you've ever been there or if, if, you know, you as a listener, you've ever been there, but like, that's not it's not a good place to be when you don't care about things, when you're apathetic. So that was something I really had to overcome. You know, I, I think also I had to overcome kind of just, hey, who am I, right? Do I do I really know myself very well? And am I proud of myself? Do I love myself? You know, sometimes I've been a little bit, you know, I consider myself kind of a sensitive person. And I think that I always kind of saw that as a as a weakness and and maybe more sensitive than than others. So, you know, I I just felt like, you know, a real guy should be like, you know, super tough and and stoic and just, you know, super, super masculine all the time. And I'm over here playing the piano and like listening to Chopin or something. And I think that I always kind of are reading poetry or something. And I think that, you know, I kind of saw that as maybe lesser than, and I had to kind of deal with that. Like, okay, what is, what is my form of masculinity kind of look like to me? And how can I be proud of who I am and, and put that forth? Um, certainly, you know, plenty of imposter syndrome as well, you know, kind of stepping into a role and going to meet, you know, CEOs of big companies with, with big valuations from big investment banks and, you know, IPOs and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, shaking the hands of the CEOs worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and stuff and kind of being like, you know, trying to feel comfortable <laughs> in those moments, you know, and, and, kind of playing the part a little bit, but hey, do I really belong in this room? And, you know, is it really, you know, am I kind of a fraud here? So just kind of having to deal with those, those sorts of questions. So that period, I would say, you know, of late, you know, mid to late 20s was really that time of questioning. And that's, that's kind of like, there's, there's usually like this period where, you know, in a man's life where they begin to question, it can happen at any point, but they kind of go through this dark place, this tunnel. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you know, there's just this opportunity to be confronted. And I did like, here's, here's the, here's the message. If you're in the tunnel right now is like, just keep going, right? Like Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going and you'll, you'll find your way out. Eventually you'll find the light at the end of the tunnel. And then you just start sprinting. I mean, I watched that with you, Mike, over the last few years, as soon as you saw like that light, in my opinion, I could be, I could be totally wrong on this and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, if I am. But as soon as what I saw was you kind of seeing the light 
and then just like chasing after it with all of your might. And it was really inspiring to see. And, and so, yeah, like that was really that chapter for me. But what, what comes up for you there? So what comes up for me is I'm sitting here wondering, all right, you're in this position meeting with all these CEOs and everything like that. You had been managing an office and now you're managing 200 people and it's continuing to grow. Was that mm. also kind of one of those things of, of managing that many people? Did it start really amplifying and, and just increasing like those, those feelings that you were having? Did it, did going from Cutco to managing on the, the computer app side, did that just kind of increase mm. the feelings that you'd been having before? Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was really in this feeling like I'm a little outclassed here, right? There's a, uh, there, I'm a little like they're throwing around acronyms that I gotta like, I'm, I'm over here. I'm like Googling these. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Like, you know, and, and now looking back, they're like silly stuff, but I remember like Googling, what is a CRM? Or like, what is it? Like, that's just not knowing these basic stuff that now is almost ingrained. But okay, what's an API or what's this or that? And just learning the lingo and they're just throwing it around really comfortably. And and you kind of are like, oh yeah, an API. Okay, got it. Yeah, <laughs> put it down in your notes. And so you're just, yeah, you're feeling like, okay, I, I'm maybe, maybe I've outkicked my coverage here, right? And and just, you know, that can lead to some fear and some anxiety and, and some trying like attempts at overcompensation, right? Instead of just being comfortable in my own skin, and just like, oh yeah, I got this, right? And so learning to be to recognize those feelings and to let them, you know, kind of go through and, and move through, you know, I think is I think is really important. So how did you get to a point where you're like going, what the heck is an API and a, you know, like a CRM, like you talked about, uh, all these acronyms sure. of of business and and on the tech side, how did you get from that to to being like I belong in this room? Not just knowing the vernacular, you know, the terms, but having the confidence to deal with these people who you're like, you know, hey, I'm not quite at their at their level. How did you span that? Sure. I mean, one of the one of the big realizations is recognizing just how ubiquitous and common that feeling is, right? And just recognizing that, hey, you know, probably a lot of these people in the same room feel the exact same way. And and just that recognition that, hey, you know, maybe this isn't just a me thing, because the more I have conversations that are real with people, the more I see this imposter syndrome and, and this feeling that, you know, hey, maybe I'm a fraud. Maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I'm a con, a con and I shouldn't, I, I need to be kicked out of the meeting or, or whatever the more common that actually is. And it's almost like, hey, we're all kind of trying to figure this out. We're all in this together is a big thing. Another thing is just beginning to release attachment to things, needing things to go a particular way and just trusting, trusting God more, trusting the universe more, whatever you want to call that, but just trusting that, hey, if this meeting doesn't go as planned, that's exactly how it's supposed to go. And relaxing into that, you know, if this podcast, if I misspeak, I'm supposed to misspeak and relaxing that that's exactly what's supposed to happen in life and trusting, trusting that journey more. And I think that that has allowed me to co-create and, and it sometimes kind of, you know, repel opportunities that I, that maybe wouldn't have been great for me and attract the ones that are. So that's been a really interesting journey too, of just recognizing that the what if worst case scenario that you're imagining in your mind in this meeting and this job opportunity and this entrepreneurial endeavor or whatever is actually 
you know, it's probably not that bad. Even the worst case scenario, it's like, okay, if you get fired tomorrow, worst case scenario is like you're on, you know, you're looking for a job for a month or two and you'll probably find one. <laughs> like it's not that bad. You'll figure it out and trusting that it'll actually be good for you, that there's a reason for, for the reason things are unfolding in your life the way there's the way they are. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. So how, like you talk about removing expectations. I mean, you still have your goal. You're still driving in a certain direction, if I'm understanding it, but you're removing the expectation. How did you go about doing that? I mean, it's, it, it seems like that wouldn't just be like, Hey, I'm going to remove expectation and boom, you're, you're done. So how did you go about that? In my, in my path, one, one of the things that's been really important is reflection, meditation, building presence. So I'm a big advocate for that. You know, people like Eckhart Tolle, Muji is another one of my thought leaders that I really enjoy, Muji on YouTube, if you check him out. These sort of more, more spiritual minds and what has, you know, what is those messages, the way they've helped me is to be in the present moment. And to trust that like, hey, right here, right now, everything that's happening is happening for me, not to me. And kind of allowing life, like the life force energy to, to flow through, which again, it takes, it, it takes a practice of, of really watching your ego and then beginning to disidentify with it a little bit where you can, you know, you don't see yourself as this small little Mike or the small little Andrew, but you see yourself as the witness, the watcher, which again, I mean, these are some, these are some deep lessons, but if you can learn them and, and, you know, you check out some of the guys I just threw out there, I mean, that could be life-changing. I mean, the book, the power of now uh, really changed my life and just trying my best to be in the present moment. I don't always do it, you know, but as often as possible, how can I just be present with the person or the people in the moment that I'm with right now? Yeah. I think that's critical. It's like with, you know, people losing their job over this last year because of COVID. I mean, there was a lot of identity crisis because it's like you're so wrapped up in what you do that identifies who you are, that when it's gone, you now have this void of, you know, you're asking all the questions like the, that you were working through that we've talked about, but it's it's not in your control. It's It's one of those that's forced upon you almost at that time. So I think it's, it's imperative that it's, that as much as we can control it, ask those questions when we're in a position of being able to guide it. And yeah, just detaching from those expectations. It is so, so worthwhile to work Mm. through the challenge and the struggle of doing that. So Mm, totally, you know, one more invitation is to, to have that North star, to have that direction, that end goal that you want to get to, but to be comfortable with any path, right? And not be so attached to a particular path. Can you, you know, maybe this one opportunity that's right in front of you, the big deal, 
you know, you want to close the deal and maybe that is the path, but maybe it's not, right? And just being comfortable with like, okay, being unattached is I don't need anything from you, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm committed to getting there. You know, I want to work with you. I want you to be a client of mine or I want you to be, you know, someone who's on my team or join the movement or whatever. But like, if not, that's totally cool. If it's not in alignment, we're still going there, you know, with or without you, with or without your business. And and so that sort of mantra and mentality has been really important, especially coaching salespeople, you know, in our sales process is better than rich. Like if it's not aligned for us to work together, I'm not closing you a deal. I'm not taking your money, right? Like I refuse to do that. And first off, that's a really important sort of ethical stand that makes you feel really good about the, the business that you do do. But it also just uh, is a really attractive thing because people are like, oh, they're actually going to shoot me straight. And so that, you know, I'm not trying to get anything from anyone. And if you can get to that place, that's, a, you know, that's like the man who's truly free is the person who doesn't need anything from anybody. And that's where we need to uh, aspire to, to get to. Again, I'm not perfect <laughs> at that, but as often as possible, that's the goal. Yeah, that's vital. How did you grow as well going from, what'd you say? You ended up at 1500 people. So you went from 200 yeah. to 1500. Yeah. That's like over seven times as many people. And what time frame was that within? How many years? About five years. So within five years, five. what were you, how were you growing to be able to manage that many people and the managers that are also in that mix? Sure. Well, first off, I mean, Leaning in, I did kind of need to adopt a beginner's mind at that stage. It's like, what is a CRM? What is an API, et cetera, et cetera. And, and kind of being comfortable laughing at yourself, at, you know, not taking things too seriously. And I think a lot of times people aren't willing to have that beginner's mind. Nobody likes to feel like a beginner, right? So I, you know, the old saying of you can't teach an old dog new tricks is like people don't want to, you know, not a lot of people want to pick up the piano and like play Yankee doodle at, you know, at 40 years old, because they're just like, I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, a beginner when I'm a kid, that's okay, but not now. And, but here's the thing, if you want to, if you want to learn and you want to grow in life, especially if you want to pick up a new hobby, or you want to just uh, round out your skill set in a business capacity, you know, you have to be willing to do that. So part of it was embracing that beginner's mind and learning the industry, so to speak. I think that was really important. The other thing was beginning to think systematically. I had kind of been more of a, a person who tend, tended to rely on charisma or talent and less on business systems and structures. And so learning to, to actually think systematically, how do, you, how do you design a system? How do you account for the potential threats to the system? How do you, how do you test your assumptions? How do you, te- how do you collect data? How often are you getting reports? It became very much uh, a business that we had to think systematically because when we scale, you know, you have to think that way. You know, one of the things that my my old CEO at that company, who I really admire, really smart guy, obviously super successful, he, he taught me kind of this rule of threes, and he said, "Hey, every time your business triples in headcount, you want to kind of reimagine the systems and structures and the design." And it's kind of like if you know a city is undergoing massive growth, right? You know, how do you imagine the highway system and the plumbing and the electrical grid? And how do you account for that? You have to think with a different mindset than if it was a small town. And so, you know, three, nine, right? 27 is the next triple, 81, 243, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. When you, 
when you triple in headcount, you have to reimagine. So it's just like a little quick trip uh, tip there that I that I got and a big takeaway. So thinking systematically, thinking like that was really important. One of the big things was also just empowering leaders underneath me. Can you have a leadership development program where you're investing in that middle tier and making sure that they are doing really well and you have to be comfortable letting go and delegating things and trusting that, hey, they may not do it as well as you will, but they're still going to do a good job and they're still going to you know get the job done. And if you ever need to, you can step in being able to work through people, being able to delegate and trust that they can do their jobs and empowering them to do so was really, was really important. So uh, those are just some of the things that, you know, I think were important. I think also the last thing was also learning to really appreciate how someone thinks and what someone values, right? When we're going into those meetings, one of the reasons we grew was because we're actually willing to take the time to understand our clients' concerns. You know, ultimately, we were kind of a vendor to those industries. And, you know, they probably, you know, overnight, they could replace us if they wanted to. Yes, we had contracts, but, you know, they, you know, if they weren't happy, they could replace us pretty easily. So just being willing to ask the tough question, leaning in, say, are you really happy with our service? Are you really satisfied? And by the way, this is great advice for your marriage as well, right? Hey, what's really going on? Are you really willing to ask the tough question to see, you know, are these people in your life, you know, really appreciating you? And what are their real needs? What are their real concerns? And reading between the lines with their answers and then making plans, you know, accordingly. And you ended up then going from, from there, you stepped out on, onto your own and you actually moved to, to Mexico from there. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we moved back to the States for a little bit and then we we're like, yeah, I got to plan my escape. My, my wife's from India. We were living in the Midwest and she just like could not stand the Chicago winter. So we, we had to, we had to escape the, uh, the Midwest and we, we booked a one-way flight to Mexico, you know, me for the three of us packed up pretty much everything we needed, put it into store. Well, we packed up everything we needed into a few bags put the rest in storage, which really wasn't that much, honestly, because we, we had just moved back. And we, we said, okay, let's go. We got booked a one-way flight to Mexico, got an Airbnb. And we, we lived in Mexico for like four or five months, just enjoying the, enjoying the sun and, and incubating the business was kind of the idea. How, do you, how can you choose an inspiring place and, and, and a, live in an inspiring way as I'm attempting to create an inspired life and an inspired business? What kind of conversations were you having that it was like you're both on board to move from India to Chicago on a one-way ticket to Mexico, and you left this like for sure position that you're managing mm. 1,500. I mean, like you took a big leap. So, what was going on there, both for you and in your conversation with your family? Yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting one, a really tough one because, in some ways, you know, I. I, in some ways, it was the perfect, you know, result, and also it felt like a misstep uh, at times because we left a very comfortable benefits and you know six six figure salary, et cetera, et cetera, um, for a life of entrepreneurship, which you know is kind of the opposite of that. Right? It's the opposite of safe, and and so that that discussion, right, in our in our marriage in our household, really had to be around well you know, I feel a calling, right? I feel compelled to take this leap. Yes, it's risky, but I'm going to trust that this calling is on my heart for a reason. And, and if I stay any longer, I'm going to kind of 
you know, I'm going to feel like my soul is eroding, right? And that I'm like, my soul is silently screaming every single day when I go into the office. And like, so even if it comes with some downside, which in this case was kind of like some financial struggles for a little bit, right? And just like, okay, we got to have these tough financial discussions and hey, we got to put that off and okay, you know, did we pay that credit card? And we got to, okay, let's renegotiate the debt, you know, or whatever. And, and now on the other side of that, to be able to be like, oh, wow, cool. You know, we're on the other side of that debt-free and enjoying it. It's sometimes we forget how hard it is in that moment. But what it was is just saying, if there's something on my heart and I feel compelled to do it, I need to follow it. And in some ways, I kind of feel like those those heart, you know, callings are placed on us, you know, by forces that are that are bigger than us right again whether that's whether that's god or or whatever your conception is of that can you you know it, it's kind of like the story of jonah in the bible it's like you got to go to nineveh it's like but i don't want to you know well too bad right and if you don't you're going to get swallowed by the whale and spit out anyway and then you're going to have to go so you might as well just go right <laughs> and so that that's kind of my my conception of it and what what are your thoughts on that well, I'm, I'm like sitting back and going, that's a huge jump. I understand like, mm-hmm. you know, having going into the office and just having it wear down and, and eat at you. Mm-hmm. And it's also one trying to take into account like your wife's security, you know, like her feeling of mm-hmm. like, hey, we're taken care of. And then you've also got, you know, your young son at that point. And it's like, that is so brave just to go. Like, hey, we're on this together. We're gonna go, but I'm I'm interested in in hearing from you. Like, what have you seen as far as those kind of risks that you've taken, those kind of moves, you guys being on the same page? How has that played out for Elijah? Like, how is he how is he being formed watching mom and dad make mm-hmm. these bold, brave moves? Yeah, it's it's funny. I can actually hear him in the other room. So I don't know if you guys can on the podcast, but. Uh, good timing. But I think that one, he's, he's, he's become and is becoming incredibly resilient. He's somebody who, you know, when we were six months old, we flew halfway around or six months old, we flew from India to the US and moved him here. You know, so he's been, you know, on plane rides and all across the world ever since he was a baby, but also just getting, getting used to that resiliency, I think has been really cool. Also, he's, you know, been cultured in different ways and, you know, has these appreciations for different things, which is really fun to watch. And, you know, the capacity to make friends really easily has been really good to watch as well for him. So, you know, that that's, that's what I would say, at least in terms of a parenting perspective, is he's a, he's a really kind of a resilient kid. And he's somebody who can you, you know, in theory, we can kind of take him anywhere and he can roll with the punches. I know there's like, you know, parenting philosophies of, Hey, super structured and, and, you know, make sure they're in bed by this time and they eat the same thing every day or this, this, that, and the other. But we kind of uh, said, Hey, we need to be able to have him, you know, do this or that and pivot without breaking down. (laughs) So that was, that was really key. But one of the things that came up for me when you were sharing about, you know, negotiating that with my wife and stuff, the, the reality is, that the more shots we take, the better we get at aiming, right? It's kind of like warming up in basketball or something. And so, you know, I think there were some miscalculations in that leap, but now, you know, I've learned from those and integrated those in to where my, my future shots, 
right, have gotten better and better and better. And so my accuracy improves over time. If you don't shoot ever, right, then your accuracy is going to, you know, remain poor, you know, because you're just not practicing, you know, your decision-making muscles. And so by taking a lot of shots, I've gotten better at aiming, I guess is one one way to look at it. Well, and I, I would assume that you've also been become more comfortable at just shooting, right? It's like, it's not as much of a buildup sure. and an energy requirement to actually say like, Hey, let's go do this. And you guys, you know, as a family are like more adept and more comfortable at going, Hey, we're going to go, you give this a shot and you're, you're in it together at a higher level and able to act on it. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. It's like, give, give me the ball. Let's let, let's go, let's shoot. And, you know, again, doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to make every shot, but in general, you know, another kind of philosophy I kind of live by is like play offense, right? Like, you know, there's not it, play a little bit of defense for sure. <laughs> Otherwise you're going to, you're, you're going to end up, you know, kind of getting your ass handed to you for lack of a better phrase there. But I think playing offense is, is generally better in business and in life you know, if you're trying to worry, worry about the competition or worry about, you know, always playing it safe, you're, you're missing out on so much opportunity. So I think playing offense is, is generally better as a strategy. Well, my friend, I want to say thank you for coming on, sharing everything Mm -hmm. that you have from, from the hurdles that you've overcome to the, the summits that you're experiencing and have experienced along that whole way, how can people reach out to you, connect with you and, and what do you have going on? Sure. Sure. I mean, one of the best ways to do it is to follow me on Instagram at Andrew M Biggs and Andrew M Biggs. You can also follow better than rich there. Uh, you can find it in my, my bio, but w- I, we do have a virtual event coming up August 7th and 8th. If you go to betterthanrich.com, check out our virtual event. It's a really, really cool experience. We've run three or four of these at this point. And we've also run two or three in person, even even amidst COVID. We just ran our last one in March. We had 40 people come to Orlando, Florida for four days, had an amazing experience, incredible, incredible transformations and moments of community, people coming together, a lot of, a lot of laughs, a lot of tears. And on the last day, we all went to Universal together and had, had some fun. So this one will be virtual, be a little different, uh, but that's the sort of community we like to build with Better Than Rich. And, and so if you can make it and you want to get to know us more, check us out, you know, the virtual event. It's a kind of a great way to, to get introduced August 7th and 8th, betterthanrich.com. Thank you, Mike. And thanks for creating this space for, for men. I think it's really important. Thank you. My pleasure. Again, Andrew, thank you so much, my friend. so much my friend for joining me on another episode if you found the information within the show helpful please leave a review on the platform you're listening to it helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free see you on the next episode and remember to continue putting yourself out there have a great one